There are times in our lives where in our, whether it be in our Bible reading, in our prayer time, in our walk with God, that we can plateau or st- get stagnant and stale. And it seems like we kind of are stuck in a rut. And so I want to try to give you some things uh, this afternoon that will be a help to increase that desire, to deepen our desire uh, for God's Word. Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23. And we're going to begin reading. Um, let's go to verse number 8. Job 23 and verse number 8. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. Now, you need to understand that this is the way Job was feeling uh, about God's presence at the time. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him, he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. I love this verse in verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And whether we can see God or not, It's certainly wonderful for us to recognize the fact that He sees us. And He knows the way that I take. And He tries my heart. My foot hath held His steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of His lips. Notice this phrase. I have esteemed the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. Father, we come to You. This afternoon, ask that you would bless the time that we spend around your word. Guide and direct our steps. Lord, help us to learn some things that will be invaluable to us in our lives. Draw our hearts closer to you. Lord, strengthen us uh, both physically and mentally, spiritually. And Lord, above all, may we glorify you. May your Holy Spirit have his free reign in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's an interesting use of words that Job uses here. As he speaks about the the, the things that God has spoken to him, being something that he esteemed, he desired, he longed for, more than his necessary food. Job was uh, indicating by this that even more important than food that would sustain his physical life was the importance of the Word of God that would sustain him spiritually. In Psalm 119, if you'll turn over there with me for just a moment, just a few pages over, Psalm 119 and verse 131, Psalm 119, verse 131, the psalmist writes this, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Uh, one of the wonderful things of the Christian life is that we get to hold in our hands, especially here in America, uh, God's Word. We get to have it in our language. We get to be in a free country to read it. Many of us have more than one copy of it. Uh, and the, the sad fact of the matter is, uh, as we get freedom and liberty and are not persecuted for such things, there's a danger that we have of becoming very callous to it and apathetic to it. In fact, it oftentimes would take... Uh, the persecution of the saints, for God's people to hold precious once again that which they should have held precious all along. And God's Word is one of those things that if we're not careful, because we do have liberty, because we do have absolute access to it with, uh, without any fear of persecution, uh, oftentimes we will find ourselves not loving this book as much as we should. Not, it's not as precious to us as it should be. I have a, a friend of mine 
that is a pastor uh, over in Syria. Syria is uh, the uh, one of the official Muslim states over there. Uh, that is their actual their national religion is uh, Islam, and uh, his name is Raji. I can't. I'm not supposed to say his last name publicly because he can be arrested still even now over there. His father also pastored for a number of years. They had both been arrested and beaten in the in the prisons many times for their faith. Uh, first time I ever met Brother Raji, he came over to our church and was uh, sharing some of the ministry uh, over in Syria. And uh, he had already been in and out of prison numerous times and had health issues because of the poor treatment he had received and the beatings he had received. His dad had been killed, almost nearly killed, in the prisons, uh, literally to the point where when they came out, they didn't know if he would survive or not. Not for doing anything wrong, but simply by preaching the Word of God. Uh, a few hours ago, because there's a few hours ahead of us, uh, somebody called Brother Raji's house and gave him a location. And he went to that location, and there there was another message left for him where another location was given. And then another location, and another. And he would go through this every week. He does this every Sunday. As he goes through week by week, he never knows where the meeting is going to be. The people that are in the church, they set the meeting up, they give him locations, they watch him. And make sure that he's not being followed to the meeting houses. And they do this every single Sunday. In order to preach, in order to hear the Word of God, they do not hold in their hands, nor are they allowed to have in their hands, a Bible in their language. And yet we in America, we have in our hands the Bible and we can read it anytime we want to. I've sat across the dinner table from Brother Raji with tears welling up in his eyes. And he said one of the most heartbreaking things is to see the lack of desire for God's Word in the United States of America. People who have it go home and lay it on their table until next service before they ever touch it or pick it up again. Why is it that we do not long for and have a desire more for God's Word? The psalmist says that he panted after his word. Job said he esteemed it more than his necessary food. And yet we feel like we have done God a favor because we read it for ten minutes today. Are there some things that we can take from Scripture that will help nurture and stir the embers of our desire and our hunger and our thirst for God's Word? I believe there are some things that are given to us in Scripture. Let's start first in Galatians chapter 5, if you will. Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5. Paul is speaking here and he makes this statement. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. 
I would say this, that one of the ways that we gain an appetite for the things of God is to ask the Holy Spirit of God to fan the flames of our heart. To walk in the Spirit. In the book of Colossians, if you take a moment to turn over there. Excuse me. Excuse me, give me just a second here. Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. I want you to notice as we get to verse number 16, Paul says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you. What's the next word here? Richly. Richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, to the Lord. Now we have here uh, something that the Bible refers to as, as letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. This idea of richly, uh, to long for, to have, to have it uh, is saturating our hearts and our lives. And the result of such is that which will help us to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Now look back to the book of Ephesians for a moment. Ephesians <clears throat> and let's go to verse uh, chapter number uh, five and verse number eighteen. Ephesians chapter five and verse number eighteen. Now here Paul says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, and here's the phrase he uses this time. He says, But be filled with the Spirit. Now, what's the result of this? Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We find that the, the filling of the Holy Spirit and letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly with all wisdom both produce the exact same thing. In fact, I would go so far as to say that they are combined and that you cannot do one without the other. You can never be filled with the Spirit of God if the Word of God doesn't dwell in you richly with all wisdom. Nor can you allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly with all wisdom if you're not filled with the Spirit of God. And so one of the ways to deepen our desire for the things of God is to come to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I long to be yielded to you. I want to have your power, your mind in my life. Help me to have a desire for the things of God. The book of James tells us, Quite clearly, that when it comes to the things that we ask for that are God's will in our lives, that we have not because we ask not. And oftentimes, we simply need to say, Lord, I I love your word and I have a desire for it, but I want to long for it more. I want to have more of an appetite for it. I want to have more of a desire for it. And one of the first things we ought to do is be praying, saying, Lord, help my heart to be drawn to your word, to walk in the Spirit. Be yielded to Him. Submit ourselves to Him. And He will bring about a desire in our hearts for His Word. Secondly, I would say this. We need to starve any competing appetites. We spent some time last Wednesday, and I'm not going to re-preach this point because we already preached it last week, about Paul bringing into captivity every thought, every imagination and thought to the, into the obedience of Christ. Uh, the idea that we need to 
starve appetites that are other than the things of the Word of God. Starve competing appetites. What is it that draws us from spending time in God's Word? What is it that causes us to long for it more than we long for the things of the Lord? So we should starve those things. I remind, I'm reminded years ago my dad shared an illustration. I don't know where he heard it from, if it was original with him or if he had heard it somewhere, if it was even a true story or not. <laughs> but the story he shared was that a, a, a missionary had gone many years ago to a tribe uh, that had never heard the gospel and had shared the gospel with them. And God moved in a miraculous way and the, the whole tribe got saved from the chief down. They all trusted Christ as their Savior and great revival came and they loved that missionary. And he stayed there for months and preached to them and helped train them and teach them in some things. And finally, when he felt that they could continue on their own to pursue the things of the Lord, he said, I've got to move on to another tribe because there's other tribes out here that need the gospel like you. And so he left and went on to another tribe. He was gone for a period of time. And as time we gave the past, he would come back and visit uh, this, this tribe that he had shared the gospel with that had trusted Christ as their Savior. And he was talking to the chief one day, and he said, Chief, and he said, how are, how are things going? He said, how's your... How's the Christian life going for you? And the chief said, well, he said, it's a struggle. He said, I feel like there's this big black dog inside of me that always wants to do wrong. And there's this white dog inside of me that always wants to do right. And he said, I feel like they're constantly fighting with each other. And the missionary asked him, he said, well, which one wins? And the the chief looked at him and he said, the one that I feed the most I thought, boy, what a great illustration. Are we feeding the appetites that appeal to the flesh? Or are we appealing to the appetites of the Spirit? If I want to have a hunger and a thirst for God's Word, I can't feed my flesh. It's going to go contrary to it. It's going to drive a wedge between my desire for the things of the Lord. It's going to cause me to not have the desire that I should. And So not only should I... Uh, fan the flames and ask the Holy Spirit to increase my desire for the things of the Lord. But then when it comes to those things that would draw me from the Word of the Lord, I ought to, I ought to bring those things into captivity. I ought, to, I, ought to, I ought to put those off. I need to starve those things in my life. A lot of Christians, I believe, come very content with carnal living, not realizing the damage that it does to our desire for God and for His Word. We follow after the things that our flesh longs for. Thirdly, not only should we feed our appetite, ask the Holy Spirit to fan the flames in our hearts, not only should we starve any competing appetites, but thirdly, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, if you will. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to go to verse number, <clears throat> excuse me, verse number 18. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 1, verse number 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God and that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith 
and hope might be in God. Number two, or number three, I guess we would say, examine our hearts, examine our hearts to be sure that we are saved. You say, Pastor, that should go without saying. If we, if we get to the place where there seems to be no hunger and no thirst for the things of God. Now, and I want to pause here for a moment. I'm not saying that we don't attend church. I'm not saying that we're not a member of a church. But if we're at a place in our lives where there seems to be no hunger and no thirst for the things of God, number three, we need to examine our hearts. I'm not trying to scare folks out of their salvation, but one thing I know is this, that when we get to verse number 21, it says, "...who by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory." that your faith and hope might be in God. If that faith and that hope is lacking, if it seems to be non-existent, if you can sit there week after week, day after day, year after year, and you may enjoy the social interaction of your church family, and you may enjoy the fellowship of eating meals together and having events together in the church, but there doesn't seem to be any desire for the things of God, then as your pastor, I would say this, examine your heart. Because when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us, something changes. Something changes. And there now becomes a desire for the things of the Lord. Number three, examine your hearts. Number four, James chapter number one. James chapter number one. Number four, practice the truth that you read in Scriptures. Practice the truth that you see in Scriptures. The more you obey Scripture, the more you're going to long for Scripture. Uh, Look what it says here as we get to James chapter 1 and verse number 21. James says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And so there's a, there's, there's this command that we're to, we're to take the word of God and we're to receive it and let it be engrafted into us, become part of us. In verse number 22 he says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Can I tell you this? Uh, When it comes to reading Scripture and knowing Scripture, if we start applying Scripture, we'll have a desire for more Scripture. We start living for it. It now is becoming grafted in us. It's becoming part of us. I um, There are times when I want to learn something new. I remember years ago, my my uncle took me for an airplane ride. I was, I think, about eight years old at the time. And I'll be real frank with you, I don't know that I ever came down from that. I loved flying from the moment he took those wheels took up off the ground. I loved it. There's Dave, Dave's a pilot here, and he knows a little bit of what I'm talking about here. Uh, when you go to get your pilot's license, there's a lot of work in it, isn't there, Dave? A lot of ground school, a lot of studying, a lot of book learning. 
And I don't know about you, but as I got older, I don't learn things as quick as I used to. And I do not like having to sit and study. But the more that I read and the more that I studied, the more I longed to get up in that airplane and fly. And the closer I got to the test and the closer I got along, the more I loved doing what I was doing. I will tell you this, that the more that you begin to apply the things that you learn and that you read in the Bible, the more it will whet your appetite and give you a desire for more of it. I remember coming out of Bible college years ago, having studied, and boy, I felt like my brain was mush because it felt I felt like they had just run it through the ringer, and that I had stretched my brain as far as it could go, and that I mean I knew so much scripture it was just oozing out of me, and I thought, boy, I got all this scripture that I know, and here I am, I don't know, thirty some years later, and the only thing I know now is that I don't know nearly as much about the Bible as I thought I knew when I got out of college, but I have a desire to. The more that I've read it, the more that I've done what the Bible says, the more it gave me a desire for it and a hunger and a thirst for it. I'm, I'm amazed at how many people say, uh, well, you know, uh, I, I just I have a hard time understanding the Bible. And I've asked, I don't know how many times, when was the last time you read it? Well, you know, I, I don't, I, I didn't, I, it's been a while. Well, I'd have a hard time understanding something I didn't read either. Kind of hard, isn't it? In fact, I don't know that I'd even really want to read something if I didn't read it to know if I wanted to read it or not. So how do I develop a desire for God's Word? I read it and I apply what I've learned in it. It creates inside of me a desire for more of it. I don't know if you've realized this or not. I hope you have. I think most of you probably have realized this or not. That the more we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit the more He works in our lives to cause us to want to yield ourselves more to the Holy Spirit. The more that we're obedient to the Bible that we do read, the more we'll have a desire to read more of it so we can be more obedient to it again. Got to be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer. And then I would say this. Exodus chapter number 17, if you will. This is one that's a little more practical, perhaps. And I think is very important in the day that we live, especially. And we we get so so distracted sometimes that we forget stuff, don't we? We forget stuff pretty quick. In fact, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot this morning. But if I asked people, what did I preach on last Sunday morning? Some of you have a hard time remembering what it is. I'll be honest with you. I'm the pastor that preached it. I'd have a hard time sometimes remembering what it was. You know why? Because we forget stuff quickly. Now let's look in Exodus chapter number 17 for a moment. And I think there's a valuable principle that's taught here. Exodus chapter number 17. And uh, let's start in verse number 13. And it came, I'm sorry, I got, I got the wrong, it was over one chapter. I'm sorry about that. Give me just a second here. Uh, 17 and, uh, let's go to verse number 9, I'm sorry, verse number 9. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out, uh, fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said, unto, said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. 
And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. In other words, they were, they were each holding him up, trying to help him keep him up. The one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Now, don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out of the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. You say, Pastor, what's the principle here? When we read Scripture and God shows us something in it, write it down and rehearse it regularly. Write it down and rehearse it regularly. Why? So we don't forget. There's things I've come across in Scripture that have been amazing. They've stirred my hearts. I've wept as I've read some of them. And a week or a month or two later, if you asked me what that was, I couldn't remember because I had not written it down. Make a note of it. And then rehearse it regularly. I remember the summer after my junior year of high school, I was getting ready to enter my senior year, and I knew that just in a few short months I was going to be almost a full-grown man and, and out on my own, you know. And I was going to be done with school and going off to college and more responsible for my own self. And I'll be real frank with you. I had lived at that point 16 years under the rules and the guidance of my mom and dad. And for the most part, the reason I followed those rules were because they were mom and dad's rules. There were a few things by that time probably that I had already started putting into my own life that I was going to live by, whether mom and dad made me do it or not. But I remember thinking my junior year of high school, as I finished that junior year and went into the summer months, I remember thinking... At some point, I better know what I believe and why I believe it. If I get out here and I get to be a man on my own accord and have my own wife and kids and family and household, and somebody asks me what I believe, and I tell them, and then I say, they say, now why do you believe that? What's your authority behind that? Mom and dad is not a good answer. I better have something more substantive than just mom and dad raised me that way. If that's the authority, then there can be a hundred other people that said, my mom and dad raised me differently. Are they the same authority? No, I better have something better than that. I'll never forget thinking those thoughts at the end of my junior year. And I went down to the the office store down there, and I got one of those three-subject spiral-bound notebooks. That summer, I began to sit down every night, and as often as I could. There might have been a few nights that I was busy and didn't do this, but... Almost every night, I believe, that summer, I sat down and began reading through Scripture. And as I came across something that ought to be something in my life that I should hold to, and I would write down what that was, and I would write the verse next to it and say, this is why I need to hold to this in my life. 
I'm going to tell you, it was probably one of the most life-changing things that I ever did. And finally, I was, not, not that I had everything down and everything perfect for life, but I, I could go into life saying, I believe these things because it's what the Bible says. I'm thankful for a godly mom and dad that kept me in a way until I could know these things from Scripture. But at the end of the day, I need to have some foundation in Scripture as to why I held to these things. I'm thankful over the years that God has continued to grow those, those things that I need to, to hold to in life. And there's things I've had to change and as I've understood Scripture better. And i found other things in Scripture that has caused me to drive those ways. But, but I would say this, I remember that summer writing those down in that notebook. When I went to college a, a, a year later, a year, about a year and a half later, I took that notebook with me. And I remember there were times throughout my college career, and the times that I was, I was shaking in some things, and I, I was kind of not understanding some things and why things were going the way that they were, that I would pull some of those, those notes out that I had in that notebook, and I'd just begin to read through them. It's amazing how God used the things that I had written down to reinforce and to keep me to, to have that desire to say, I want to do this because it's right, because it's what the Bible says. And I would say this, keep a journal. Write down the things that you find from God's Word and rehearse them. Remember them. And when you get to the place where you feel like maybe your, your time with the Lord, your time reading Bible, the Bible is getting stagnant or you're not getting as much out of it as you used to, take that notebook and open it up and just begin reading the truths that you had written down before that God has shown you from His Word. Let it stir your heart again. Ways to have a deeper desire for God's Word. Ask the Holy Spirit to increase your appetite, to, to give you that desire. Starve any competing appetites. Put them down. Bring them into captivity. If there's no desire there, examine your heart. Examine your heart. Make sure that you're saved. Or make sure that you're not quenching the Holy Spirit of God in your life. Number four, apply the truth that you do know. Live it. Live this book. And number five, write down and rehearse regularly the truths that you learn from it. I, I hope that as I get closer to heaven, this book becomes more precious to me. I hope it does for you. I hope every single day as we go along, the richness of it, the truth of it, the things that it shows us become more and more precious to us. And when it doesn't, maybe we need to stop for a few moments and say, I want to be like Job. I want, to, I want to esteem this book more than my own necessary food. Or like the psalmist who said, I pant, my heart panteth after this book. I long for it. I hunger for it. I thirst for it. And I hope that will be a help to you today. Alright, let's stand together and we'll be dismissed. Father, I do pray that You'd help us. Uh, Lord, our, our desire, I, I truly believe this. Sincerely, I believe that our desire is to love You more. I think our desire certainly is, as 